0: Hey, welcome! So glad that you guys are here today. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside, and um, and thank you so much for just coming to church and being with one another. Hey, before we get started, I just want to say something. I don't know if like I don't know if many of you have followed this or not, but over in uh, over in Kentucky at a college named Asbury, uh, God's doing some pretty cool things, and um, I, I, you know, uh, you you are probably. Um, someone who hasn't studied revivals, and that's okay, you don't have to do that, uh, but, you know, throughout seminary and things like that, I've read a lot about revivals, and, and um, so if you're not aware, there's this revival that's happening over in Asbury, and it's a really cool moment. I think the coolest thing about it is, one of the questions, you know, is like, what really is a revival, and ultimately what it is is, is there's kind of this uh, greater connection between man and God at a certain point, And um, uh, the Irish Catholics, they called it the thin space. And I think that's a beautiful way to describe it. It's about uh, the veil between, between humanity and deity becomes thinner. And, uh, and, and what that looks like, you know, uh, I, I have not been a part of a revival. There's very few in our, in our, um, in our history in the world and, and, and specifically in America. Um, you know, there were revivals that spread over to America, the First and Second Great Awakening, the Azusa Street Revival, the Haystack Prayer Revival. But really, truly, there's only been about six or so, five or six that we can characterize as revivals. The thing that really starts a revival is repentance. That's it. Like that's the that's the front end of it. And if if you um, if you weren't aware, if you haven't read up on it, basically what happened was uh, there was a a young man at at, um, uh, at Asbury, and he just started repenting of sin and and things uh, in in a public manner, and um, and everybody says at that time they're like. We, we don't know how to explain it, but the room just got sweeter and, um, and there was freedom uh, in, in the room and, and other people started confessing their sins and, and all of a sudden there was this connection uh, to one another and to, to God in a way that we can't express. Um, God's doing really cool things in Asbury, and somebody asked me this past week, they said, are you going to make the drive to go to Asbury? I did Google it, it's five and a half hours, uh, and they're like, are you going to go to Asbury? And I said, you know, it, it would be great to go there and, and to experience it for sure, but the reality is, like, I'm praying and working for a revival to happen here in St. Louis, you know? And uh, I'm not jealous of what's happening over there, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it, and I think God's doing really cool things. And, uh, but wouldn't it be amazing for God to do cool things here, you know? And uh, and so I just, you know, I, I want us as a church um, to be fully giving ourselves over to the Lord in every single way possible. And uh, this series specifically, I think, is going to be a step that is going to help with that. Um, as as I, if you were following social media this past week, I kind of gave a quick teaser about this series. And if you didn't know, uh, God talks about money more than He talks about heaven and hell combined. He talks about money more than He talks about love. I mean, it's 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 something that He really uh, He knows that it grips our hearts, and He knows that our hearts are idol factories, and uh, and we worship things, we create things to worship. And, uh, and money is one of those things that serves as an idol of our heart. And so throughout the series, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God and what it looks like to live into the kingdom of God. I'm really excited about that. Um, so as we get started, uh, the kingdom of God, uh, kingdom economics, understand this, that this series is truly, it's about living in the kingdom of God. It's about living within God's kingdom. And if you know anything about kingdoms, kingdoms have walls and barriers and borders, okay? And, and kingdoms have rules and laws that are different. And see, the Bible tells us that you were not born in the kingdom of God, okay? Uh, you were born on the kingdom of earth. And specifically, if you were born in America, you were born in the American kingdom. Uh, for me, I was born in the kingdom of Ohio, which right now is like in, you know, flames. And there's, and there's uh, you know, gas all over the place. It's crazy. It's like apocalyptic. And um, uh, if you haven't seen the news this past week, catch up, okay? Um, but uh, that's what's happened in Ohio. That's where I was born. I was born in the kingdom of Ohio specifically the kingdom of Worcester, okay? And uh, and anyway, um, but when it comes to the kingdom, like we were not born in the kingdom of God. So what that means is this. You have to learn how to live in the kingdom of, of God, okay? You can't you can't just uh, live the way that you want to live uh, because we are not there yet, right? The only way that live, the only way to live in the kingdom of God is through the salvation of Jesus Christ. And I promise you this, there's one way, scripture's clear about this, Jesus is clear about this, there's one way to be in the kingdom of God, and it's only through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, amen? And if you try to get in any other way, you're not going to get in, okay? And so if you're like, hey, I'm just going to be a good, person, and one day I'm going to enter into the kingdom. No, you're not. You will be in a kingdom, but it's not the kingdom of God, okay? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about kingdom economics and what does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of God? What does it mean to live in the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is very interesting because it's the here but not yet. We live in a here but not yet kingdom. Partially here, uh, Jesus, when he prays, he goes through the Lord's Prayer, he, he prays that he, he wants the kingdom of God to come. He, you know, your will be done, right, on earth as it is in heaven. Like, God, bring your kingdom to this earth. That's what Jesus is saying. Father, bring your kingdom here. Like, I want your will to be done here. That's part of the kingdom of God. But the reality is, uh, the the not yet part is that the full part of the kingdom of God is when we enter into heaven. And so that's not going to be here yet. So we're in the here, but not yet. And so while we are on this earth, we have the opportunity to live within these metaphorical and metaphysical walls of God's kingdom. All right. Um, But uh, again, they come with different rules. Let me give you an example. Has anybody ever traveled to Oregon or New Jersey before? Raise your hand. All right, those people, they those clowns do not pump their own gas. Okay, it's crazy. All right, so uh, and it's not because they have a lack of ability. All right, it's because it's illegal. Yes, it's literally illegal. I, I found this out uh, first time. I was younger and I was actually in New Jersey. I I was remembering a moment in Oregon, but the truth is, the very first time is I was in New Jersey. And, uh, and 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 my you know I was with my buddies Eric and Bill and I went to get out of the, the car and they're like what are you doing and I was like I'm pumping gas and they're like no you just give the guy your card bills from New Jersey but then I forgot all about this and actually what happened was I didn't know that Oregon is also just weird like that right bunch of weirdos so anyway uh, listening from Oregon we love you okay so uh, so anyhow um, I, I, I traveled to Oregon and I got out of the car and these like two like gas station ninjas like quickly like came up to me and they're like sir may I help you and I was like oh I'm just gonna pump some gas and I'm like looking at them and they're looking at me we're both looking at each other weird you know and uh and, and they're like oh sir we'll do it and I was like no no I I can do it please like I'm a competent person okay I can I can do it and, uh, and they're like no no sir it's illegal and I was like I what huh and they're like illegal and I and I was like I would prefer to pump the gas? And they're like, no, if you try to pump the gas, we will call the cops. And I'm like, what? So then I'm like a cartoon character. My, my jaw is dropped, you know. So I picked my jaw back up and I was like, okay, cool. Don't want to be arrested today for pumping gas. So please, here's my card. Like, just do it. Jeez, I was like ticked, right? So I get in the car and uh, and so, okay, so th- so that's, that's an example, right? It's a different kingdom. It's not your kingdom. You don't live in Oregon. You don't live in New Jersey. It's a different kingdom. The laws are different. Let me give you another example. Um, a friend of mine, he is an ex-cop, ex-police officer, and he was traveling through Illinois and he got pulled over and he had a pistol in his glove compartment and guess what five minutes later he was in handcuffs and uh, they asked him they said do you have a gun and he goes yes I do I have a pistol it's in my glove compartment and he goes I'm an ex-cop and I didn't you know think I was going to be over in Illinois today and blah blah blah. and they said sir step out of the vehicle you're under arrest and they placed him under arrest and they arrested him right there why because in Illinois the actual ammunition needs to be in the trunk or it needs to be in a lock box in your car but they can't be it can't be a loaded gun and so it doesn't matter. What the rules are in the kingdom of Missouri. He was in the kingdom of Illinois and he was arrested and he went to jail for the weekend, okay? And so the the reality is this, that when we are living in someone else's kingdom, we have to learn how to live by their rules. And uh, I think you learned this when you first, you know, uh, was going to uh, a friend's house, right? It's different rules, okay? I think we get this. Listen, if it's your uh, first time here or you just started coming to redemption or if you're a first time listener to the podcast then you're probably thinking like, wait a minute, like this is why I don't go to church, you know, because all they talk about is money. And uh, and so they're just grabbing money. And uh, and so I don't I don't go to church and hear uh, the pastors talking about money. Right. I understand your frustration. Um, and uh, but here's here's the deal. This two things. Uh, this series is not about money. Truly, it's not. It's about living in God's kingdom. Money is just a construct that God uses to both reveal our hearts and to show us uh, to, to how to have faith in him, how to trust in him. And so, number one, it reveals our hearts because it reveals the things that we're connected to and we desire and we can't give up because they're shiny objects. It reveals what controls our hearts. The second thing is uh, that it, it, uh, you know, it it allows us to go closer to Jesus. And so that's what money does when we trust him with that. And so secondly, I would say this. I would say that, um, you know, this isn't something, this series, throughout the series, be thinking about this because this is so true. And I say this with all genuine sincerity. I don't want anything from you. I don't. I want something for you. Uh, I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. And I believe this. Uh, I believe that there are, are parts of our life financially that are just sinful, period. Just just straight out sinful. Like they're not holy things in our life. And so um, what, what, what this series does, I believe, is it helps us to kind of, uh, reorient. I'm going to tell you about uh, this a little bit in week three, about how it even reoriented my life. Because um, by the way, like I'm not always preaching to the choir. Sometimes I'm preaching to the listener and it's me, right? So um, so th- th- this is going to reorient us and get us back on track. But I believe this. I believe that God wants to give us freedom in these moments, in these areas of our life. I believe that he wants to give us freedom financially. And I think that he has great things in store for us. There. So um, uh, again, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. But there's there there are a couple things I want for you. Can I can I give you those things? Can I tell you the things I want for you? All right. Number one. Okay. This is what I want for you. I want you to be debt free. Yeah. Can, can we get some amens? Anybody? Come on. Like amen. Uh, all right. Now no, listen. Uh, th- th- this is what scripture says. Scripture says in Proverbs twenty two seven. It says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. I want financial freedom for you. I want you to be Completely free financially, all right, um, and, uh, and and that's a good thing. You know, like uh, there is. L- let me just say this: I, I don't want to be. Um, in, in, well, I'm not going to give give names because I don't want to like defame anybody or whatever. There are people in our culture that would say all debt is bad. They're wrong. There are some debts that are okay. There are there are some debts that are good debts. All right, if you have a debt that is freeing up cash flow for you, because uh, in the end you have a return on investment that you're making with you know, with your cash that's greater than the debt that you owe. Whatever, it's fine. Okay, if you own uh, something that, that, that it has debt on it, uh, but the but the the actual percentage that you're making on the return is greater than the APR on whatever it is, it's fine. Okay. But in large part, that's not what we experience. What we experience is, is, uh, is debt to credit card companies. It's debt to uh, debt collectors and banks and all these other things, right? And so we need to be free of that debt, all right? So I want you to be debt-free, but here's the thing. Um, the, the reality is there's a greater debt, I believe, that keeps us in debt to those credit card companies, to those banks, to those lenders, okay? And this is what it is. It's the debt of keeping up with the Joneses, That's a debt. And I want you to live debt free to your neighbors and your friends and your family because here's the reality that is a comparison trap. And we know this, that there's no win in comparison. And what what happens is we, all of a sudden, we begin to compare ourselves to the people around us. And if this was a PL sheet, if this was a budget, right, uh, we're we're looking at this line and we're going, hey, they're the line, right? Like my neighbors, my friends, like like their vacations, their cars, their houses, their entertainment choices, all those things. That's the line. And I'm never I'm never there. Like, I'm always in the red, and I need to be at least, uh, you know, I, I need to become the line, right? Or, or in the green, okay? And, and so we start to compare ourselves to the people around us. Again, there's no win in comparison. And so if you're um, below the line and you're looking up at somebody else, you're in debt to them. If you're living envious to somebody else because you believe that they have more than you or whatever, you're in debt to To them, and I want you to be debt free to the people around you because I think that is gonna bring you great freedom. The second thing, though, is uh, similarly but, but oppositely, I want you to stop putting others into your debt. Right. I, I want you to stop living like that yourself. I, I want to make sure that we as a church, we are always humble to those around us, that we we, we, we never act like we're better than anybody else because we are not. If, if we're going to live superior in any way to anybody around us, how can we truly help them and love them? If we just act superior to them, I think it's really, really interesting that Jesus didn't do that to us. Jesus came down to the earth; he didn't live, you know, live in a superior way to us. He came down to the earth, and and we know this that when it comes to uh, our debt, our, our our debt when it comes to sin, the like Jesus is the black line, right? He's the line, okay? And, and we do have to make it above that line. But the only way to make it above that line is for Jesus. Uh, to to give us the red, right? His blood, that's it. That's the only way to get out of debt when it comes to our sin and to be saved. The only way to get to the green is through the red. It's through Jesus' blood, that's it. And so, uh, but uh, when when it comes to our interaction with those around us, we cannot put others into our debt. Number three, I want to be able to give, uh, or I want you to be able to give a lot of money away and not just to your church. Every single month, I get this awesome opportunity after I've already given to my church, by the way, I do. Uh, so I tithe, okay? Um, don't think I don't. I really do. Um, and, uh, and so uh, after I tithe to redemption, the coolest thing is I've budgeted $100. That's not a lot, but it's 100 bucks. And every month, okay, pastor budget, let's go, pastor. All right, $100, I get to like pray and like consider what am I going to do with $100? And it's the coolest thing. And, and I'll tell you this, I promise you, every month, I don't have to pray that long because God brings these crazy opportunities to me. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm alongside somebody who's hurting or broken, and I get to bless them with that. And so um, so I want you to give a lot of money away. But for you to give a lot of money away, you have to what? I want you to make a lot of money. I do. I want you to make a ton of money. And, and, and notice I didn't say get a lot of money. Like, you have to earn it. It's not just going to be given to you. You have to go make it, right? So, 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 so be someone who's a good steward. Be someone who um, is entrepreneurial and some way like have a side hustle make money make a lot of money but then give it away now I think when I when I said that I I think a lot of you said wait a minute um pastor like you said to uh to make a lot of money you want us to make a lot of money but like isn't isn't that like that doesn't the bible say that money is the root of all evil like why would you want us to make money that's not what the Bible says, okay? Let me show you, all right? This is what the Bible says. In First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. See, this is what Paul is ultimately saying. Paul is ultimately saying we can have money, but money can't have us. We can own things, but things can't own us. That's what he's saying. If we love money, if we love things, uh, then out of that love of money or things, all kinds of evil sprouts and it grows in our lives. And in that craving of money, Scripture says that many people have wandered from the faith. They've left. They've left the faith and they've walked away from Christ. And so, what I said was, and I'm going to say this again. These are the things that I want for you financially. Number one, I want you to be debt free. Number two, I want you to stop putting others into your debt. Number three, I want you to be able to give a lot of money away and not just to your church. And number four, I want you to make a lot of money. Throughout this series, we're gonna discuss these three things. And so I want you to repeat them after me. Number one, less is more. All right, number two, God is better. And number three, giving is godly. Let's say them together less is more. God is better, giving is godly. That's right. And I believe this. I believe that throughout this series, God is going to bring you freedom. I believe that he's going to bring you freedom. He's going to break chains in your heart if you'll just be obedient and open to him, all right? Let me uh, pray for that very thing. Father, I pray that throughout uh, today's message, the rest of the message, and then throughout this series, God, I pray that you would break the chains that are around our heart when it comes to finances. God, I pray that we would take this moment, a little spring cleaning moment, if we will, and and uh, really assess every dollar that we spend and, uh, and God, I pray that we would uh, then, um, through that, that we would find uh, peace and freedom, that you would make us uh, extravagant givers, not just to our church, but to the community around us. And God, I pray that the, the gospel will be shared through the generosity of our hearts and outpouring of our love from you to those around us. And I pray that it would be a Holy Spirit uh, moment and a Holy Spirit-fueled thing, and all these things we ask and we pray for. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. All right, um, so one time there were there were these uh writers kirk vonnegut and, and joseph heller and they're they're at this uh, very glamorous uh, party they're they're in new york city and um and and they're they're outside of or actually they're inside of, of this billionaire's second home and it's very luxurious and and they're, they're, they're standing out there, and, and, and Kurt Vonnegut, he writes about this interaction in a letter to the New Yorker in 2005. And he's standing next to Joseph Heller, who just came out with a book, and, uh, and he, says, he says this. He says, um, I said, Joe, how does it make you feel to know that, that our billionaire host, only yesterday, may have made more money than your novel Catch-22 has earned in its entire history? And Joe said, I have something that he can never have. And I said, what on earth can that be, Joe? And Joe said, the knowledge that I have enough. When is enough enough? You ever ask yourself that question? When is enough enough? When I was a kid, my mom, she would always say to me when I was acting out, hey, 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 enough is enough, right? Yes. Anybody else's mom say that? Enough is enough, right? Now, what she was really saying is something that that can equally be said and and equally sum up enough is enough, you know, the mom-isms that were out there, right? Um, uh, What she would also say, and you can finish it with me if if you know it, uh, you better quit while you're ahead, that's right. Yes. Okay. So all of our moms uh, read the same parenting book in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Got it. All right. So, um, so, so, but let's let let let's take the mom-isms there and let's let's create them as questions. Let's turn them into questions. Okay. Let's keep these questions in front of us. When is enough enough? And what does it mean to quit while we're ahead? What does it mean to be ahead? Now, I think uh, what we're seeing. In this series, what we're going to see is that, uh, is that Jesus economics or kingdom economics 101 is very different than your high school economics class. It's very different than high school economics 101 or, or, or you know your freshman or sophomore level economics class. It's very different. Um, And and it would be taught differently, and we uh, need to look at specifically the kingdom to learn how to live in the kingdom. Let me give you some stats. This is really interesting, and and, uh, it's not staggering. I think you guys are all going to go, yeah, totally. Um, So roughly um, 46,000 people uh, commit suicide every year in America. 43 million Americans experience some form of mental illness. Roughly 30% of men and 16% of women binge drink on a weekly basis. 17 million Americans report alcohol addiction. Roughly 110,000 people overdose on drugs annually. Life expectancy is currently decreasing for middle-aged Americans, which is driven by high rates of suicide and substance abuse. Why do I share these stats? I share these stats because it's not working. It isn't working. Uh, a lot of research actually suggests that the, uh, the explosion of mental health or mental illness uh, problems are directly connected to the rise in our incomes. It's so interesting that there's a rise. There's a there's a connection, seemingly. And again, like you know, is it causation or correlation? A lot of researchers would say that a lot of it is causation. But we are in this place where, uh, no matter what, we are in the wealthiest nation of all time. Our 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 wages are continually going up. We have more and more opportunity than we've ever had. You, by all statistics, are wealthier than your parents and wealthier than your grandparents, whether they're great grandparents. We continue down this path of more and more and more wealth. But at the same time. There's a rising, there's a rising um, uh, depression and anxiety, and it doesn't make us happier. And so uh, the question is, if it's not working, why is it not working? And so how does it work? And so what we want to do is we want to go to the only place that we can go to to get the answers to life, the words of life, scripture. Before we get there, though, I do want to say this. Um, that we, uh, we're, we're going to be learning from, from Solomon, but first I want us to learn from, from uh, you know, Notorious B.I.G. and, and uh, P. Diddy. So, uh, so, we believe this. We believe this in our culture. We believe uh, that mo' money equals no problems. That's what we believe. We we, we don't believe what Biggie said. We don't believe what Diddy said. We believe that mo' money equals no problems, right? That's what we believe ultimately. We're conditioned to believe this. The more money I get, the less problems I'll have, and it's just not true. It's not true. Uh, Because how about this? If that were true, then why would any millionaire ever commit suicide? But you probably know of one, right? Uh, if that were true, then then at the end of the day, uh, this, this study that says that after you make $75,000 in America, your happiness does not increase. Isn't that interesting? Like, they've actually literally found a number. It's $75,000. Now, if you make under $75,000, like, you know, like I said, I want you to make money. Make money. Okay. But once you hit $75,000, it's so interesting. Your happiness does not increase. Not with it. You'd think it would, but it doesn't. Okay, so um, if these things are true, right, why do we know people who have a lot of money uh, whose lives are replete with problems? Mo' money does equal mo' problems, right, as the lyrics say. Uh, I don't know what they want from me. It's like more money will come across the more problems we see. Notorious B.I.G. and P. Diddy, 1997, they're poets. And uh, anyway... We've been taught this in our culture. We've been taught that that one is good, but two is what? Better. That's what we've been taught. We've been taught that $1 is good, but $2 is better, right? We've been taught, with well, one car is good, but if I have two cars... That is better. We've been taught if I have one house, that's pretty cool. But if I have one house and a vacation house, that's better, right? We've been taught if I have one vacation, but if I have five, oh, five's better, right? Two is better than one. That's what we've been taught. But the reality is, as we're going to see today, I believe uh, that Jesus is going to teach us something different. But we've been taught this. What we need is what we do not have. That's what we've been taught. What we need is what we do not have. What we haven't been taught is what we need is exactly what we have. Okay, let's go to the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. It says this. It's better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work in chasing the wind. Repeat after me. One is less than two. It's so simple, right? It's so simple. One is less than two. Like, this isn't rocket science, but I believe that the Bible is telling us that less is more. I believe the Bible is teaching us that less is more. How many times have you prayed, God, we're a two-car family. Can we be a one-car family, please? right? Or, or, or God, like, I make too much money. Can I make less so I can stretch four days of groceries into seven days, you know? Um, God, thank you so much for the rise of egg prices. Uh, it's great. Uh, it's great trying to feed as many kids as I've always had with the same amount of eggs that I need and just paying more, right? Like, who's who's prayed that? No, we don't pray that because we believe that more is more and more is better, but God is telling us, no, no, no less is more. I want to take us our, our attention with the remaining time to look at a place in, in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles with you, go to Matthew chapter six. And we're going to read uh, some verses from here from the words of Jesus. He says in verse 19, he says, don't. Alright, so we need to pay attention to this because uh, there's some do's, there's some don'ts. We need to know the don'ts. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where the thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. What? That's weird. It's almost like, uh, you know, Jesus is, is like, he was like the very first person for like the storage lockers, you know, like, and he's like, hey, uh, I'm gonna open up a storage locker place called heaven and you can just take it down here. He was an entrepreneur. That's what he was really trying to do. He's trying to make money. Joking. Uh, store your treasures in heaven. He's not talking about here on this earth. He says where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will, will also be. Jesus is telling us that more is not better. He's telling us that when we're on this earth, that, that there's, there's something, there's a paradigm shift, there's a perspective shift we have to have. We have to be considering and thinking about heaven and not just about earth. A couple weeks ago I said this, that most of us are going to live for roughly 80 years on this earth, all right? And so here's the deal. What we said then was that eternity is greater than 80 years, right? It's greater than 80 years. But, but for some reason, we think that this is all there is, and it's so interesting because as Christians, I, I believe we're going to see in just a couple uh, verses here that Jesus calls us out on that because that's not the way that we should be thinking, right? It's not the way that we should be thinking. We should be thinking, how do, how do I create something in eternity for myself, not just here on this earth? He says this then in verse 22, your eye is like a lamp, That provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money, So Jesus starts talking about our eyes. Right. And it's really interesting because typically when we when we think about eyes, we think about, you know, lust. We think about porn. We think about things like that. That's what we would think about um, if Jesus is talking about our eyes. And in some ways, uh, you know, it, this connects. But this isn't what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is with the way that the desires of our heart, they start in our eyes. It's like in, in, in the, uh, the movie Moana, right? So shiny. You know, it's like, what are the things, what are the, the shiny things that, that capture our attention? Because what happens is they, they, they glint and glisten in our eye, but then it travels down into our hearts. Uh, the, 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 the start of the journey starts in our eyes, but it goes to our hearts. What grabs the attention of our eyes will soon make a home in our hearts. It starts in our eyes, journeys to the end of our hearts, have you ever heard uh, someone say, uh, "Men, you have a one-track mind, or you have a you know only one thing on your mind"? Uh, that isn't giving us much credit, by the way. And um, uh, but I, I think that uh, the reality is here. Like when we think about when we think about finances and things like this, I think that collectively, I think we kind of have a one-track mind. Now, I think that collectively, I think that we are uh, as as men and women. I think we are uh, poured into. Um, getting more, and Jesus is telling us not to worry about the monetary things around us. He says that God the Father, he then says that God the Father takes care of uh, the flowers, takes care of the birds, takes care of all these things. How much more will he take care of you? And so we don't need to be one-track minded uh, when it comes to finances if we have the faith that Jesus is going to take care of it. If we have the trust and the faith that God is going to take care of it, we don't have to have that in our minds. We can literally put it out of our minds, right? Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34. Let's uh, finish here. He says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? And Jesus drops this hammer. And I want you to hear this in your soul. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you what? Everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles uh, is enough for today. Now, some of you read that with me. Some of you heard me read that, and you're like, I don't like that. (laughs) Everything I need, I don't like that. Uh, listen, I've seen the matrix, you know, I saw what they ate. Yeah, it was everything they needed, but that gray oatmeal, not for me, right? Uh, everything, everything that I need, like, man, uh, I've read Viktor Frankl's man's search for meaning, you know, Holocaust was brutal. Some of them survived and had the things that they needed on some level. Oh, Need. But Jesus, what about the things that I want? What about the things that grab my eye and they glisten and they, they glint in my eye? I just I want I want those things. I want a vacation to the beaches of Indonesia. Amen. Come on. Uh, I want the new Porsche GT3. Let's go. Mm, you know? Like, what about the things that I want? Come on. Needs are great, but God, there's a lot of things that I want. And I think that if if Jesus were here today, I think he would say something like this to us. You're living for the 80 years and not for eternity. Less is more. Don't let the thoughts of unbelievers dominate your thoughts. They don't have eternity in heaven. You do. Less is more. Don't live like the world. Live differently. Remember, less is more. I'll take care of all your needs. Didn't I promise to do this? You can have money, but money can't have you. Just seek me, live righteously. Less is more. That's what I think he would say to us. For us to live in the kingdom of God, we must live differently. Where God is going to call you next will always be uh, beyond where you're comfortable now. And so do you feel God calling you somewhere in your life spiritually? And what does that look like to live in the kingdom of God, but not where you are currently, but another step? And what does it look like to take another step with Jesus, to live beyond where you're comfortable now? But he's always going to call you beyond where you're comfortable, uh, wherever he's calling you next. See, the problem is this, that we believe often, I think we believe this, we believe that uh, our life would be different. We, 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 we turn God into this, like... Um, uh, into this blue genie type of thing, right? Like, uh, or, or not even like a blue genie. Um, more of like a, um, more of like a a recess monitor. Okay, like God's giving out you know candy to every every kid, and but only if you do what's right. And so, God, if I do what's right, like if I if I obey all the rules on the you know on the on the playground, then you're gonna give me a reward at the end of recess, right? I think what we believe is that if we just gave to God and if we just had financial, you know, um, uh, holiness there and, we, and we, we tithed and whatever, then we'd be fine. But, but here, here's the deal. Our financial issues are not because we don't give. Our financial issues are because we are idolatrous people who are slaves to never enough. That's it. We are slaves to never enough. Enough, And so are we trusting God to provide our every need? And then are we living in a way that we don't become a slave to never enough? Some of you liked uh, sharing the quote from Stoics um, last couple weeks or last time we met. And uh, we talked about Marcus Aurelius. And so uh, one of his uh, Stoic compadres here, Seneca the Younger, he says this. He says, being poor is not having too little. It is wanting more. Oof, it's so good. Does that, does that pierce anybody's heart the way that it pierces mine? Uh, being poor is not having too little. It is always wanting more. As Americans, the majority of us are poor people because we are slaves to never enough. Let me give you this word picture. Uh, if you were in, in, in uh, you know, um, a European kingdom in 500 AD and you're living inside the walls of this kingdom, you're a citizen of this kingdom. While you're inside the walls, by the way, again, kingdoms do have barriers, borders, right? They have walls. And if, if, if you're living inside of this kingdom... Um, And uh, while you're in this kingdom, you have safety. While you're in this kingdom, you can prosper. While you're in this kingdom, you can go to the market. You can go between your house and your job and all these things. But here's the deal. Outside of the walls of this kingdom are murderous marauders, are packs of animals, and and an enemy army just waiting to slaughter you. And so in 500 A.D., uh, living inside of this kingdom, uh, walls, you would not what? You wouldn't leave the walls of the kingdom. Because there's no safety guaranteed to you outside of those walls. I think that for many of us, what we've done as Christians living in America is we are living outside the walls of God's kingdom financially. And we're wondering, we're wondering why we're limping along, why we've been attacked on every side, why we don't have reserves for the finances and things that we have going on in our life. where We're we're trying to live in this uh, slave to the money, never enough. God, I want more, 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 more. And God's going, no, 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 less is more. Like, I have a plan for you. Stay in the kingdom walls. And we're like, no, 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 God, I got it. And we leave the walls and we wonder why the bills are piling up, why our checking account is lowering, why our bank account is dropping, and, uh, and, and with all of this, I think God's calling us to enter back into the kingdom of God. I think he's asking us to reassess our finances and re-enter into the walls of his kingdom. To really understand uh, what what we need to do financially, uh, we need to uh, lean on people with wisdom uh, in this area. But two, uh, and actually the the, the first and foremost thing, is we really need to be in the Bible. That's what we need to be. Uh, But because uh, we can't read the Bible today, Genesis to Revelations, I I have uh, three steps here that I just want to distill. Uh, These are things that Scripture backs up time and time again. And so uh, here are your action steps as we close out. Three things. Next steps to practicing kingdom economics. Um, Number one, clear out. Clear out things... In your life, minimize the things that you own so that those things don't own you. Okay. Uh, by the way, did you know that um, that storage units in America are a twenty-two point three billion dollar industry? It is so much money. All right. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who has a storage locker, but a storage room. But 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 listen. I mean, think about this. Basically, what we're doing is we're paying somebody else to watch our junk, right? Like, hey, can you can you watch this and keep it safe for me? Thanks. And you might be saying, hey, that's not it's not that expensive though. It's like two hundred dollars a month in the end. Yeah, but over five years, it's $12,000, right? And for some of us, we're going, God, I want you to like, like, you know, remove my debt. Okay, like, like help me get debt free. And God's going, you have a room that you pay for off your house. It's not even attached to your house. It's off your house. You're never going to finish that table, right? It's not going to get finished. You're thinking like, no, it's my grandma's table. I'm going to do something with it. No, you're not. All right. Okay, so all this stuff, all right, sell it. Get it out of here. All right. Uh, get it out. Okay. Um, so clear it out. Uh, make a goal for yourself. Hey, over the next month, I'm going to go ahead and sell all the junk in my house. And if it doesn't sell, it's going to work. Okay, bring the family in, get the kids involved. All right, get them all in there. Okay, so we're going to sell stuff. We're clearing out. We're not living like this anymore. Number two, we're going to cut back. Uh, Did you know that 62% of Americans say that the way that they cope with pain and sadness is by shopping? 62%. It's brutal, okay? That is brutal. Listen, you can go to Target and, and, and uh, where else do people spend money? I don't know. You can go to these like places and you can continue to give money, but it's not going to make you happier. And when we throw money in, into uh, you know, our, our, our shopping cart online, because there's a deal, it's 20% off or whatever, and we don't have the money to do that, and we're just doing it to soothe the pain inside, you know what we're called? Foolish. It's foolish. And and, and so we can't do that. We have to cut back on our spending. All right. Uh, Do yourself a favor. All right. Work on your personal health. Read your Bible. Pray. Hit the gym. Get eight hours of sleep. Eat healthier. Do something else to cure your happiness. Call up a friend and grab coffee. Uh, Maybe you, you know, you make it at your house and you and you go, go to the park and you walk. But do something to cut back. And I believe this, that even when you do cut back, start to prioritize experiences over things. Because when we die, nobody's going to talk about your fresh J's, right? Nobody's going to talk about your your killer car, right? They're going to talk about how you made them feel. They're going to talk about the moments that you had with them or the moments that you didn't have. What's interesting is when you go to funerals, you hear a lot about a person, right? And what you hear is that person was present or that person was never around. So be a person who prioritizes experiences. Be present with the souls around us that are encased in bodies. Because it's those souls that we'll live with for eternity. And so uh, prioritize experiences over things and cut back ultimately. Number three, payoff. How many of you want to be debt free? Raise your hand. The rest of you, liars, okay? The rest of you are liars, all right? Uh, Let me say this, okay? Uh, You're either, those that didn't raise your hand, you're either liars or uh, you just love debt because what's interesting is only 22% of Americans have zero debt uh, and I'm surprised it's that high, okay? Um, And so uh, I think we we need to be debt-free. We wanna be debt-free, but since you know that statistically the person to your left and the person to your right is also in debt to some some extent on something, how many of you wanna be debt-free? Raise your hand. All right, there we go. Okay, maybe a little more. Um, We need to be debt-free, right? And so I want you to pay off things. I want you to get to a place where you're debt-free. I don't think none of us is saying, like, man, I wish I had more student loans. Like, one is just not good enough, you know? Uh, One is good, but two is better. Uh, Like, I wish I had more student loans. I wish that I, you know, how many of us do this? Hey, I bought this car and I didn't have the last car paid off. And so what I did was I just took that payment and I rolled it into this payment. And the really cool thing is in 15 years, I'm going to be off of this thing. Right? It's crazy. Okay. And so we have to stop doing this. We have to pay off debt. Uh, My truck, man, I love that thing. You know why? Because it's paid off. That's why I love it. It's been paid off for two and a half years, three years. And, uh, and so it's, it's all, all, all the you know, more money in my pocket that I can then take $100 a month and bless somebody with, whatever. But those things only happen if we pay off. And so again, we're gonna clear out, we're gonna cut back, we're gonna pay off. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says this, better to have one handful, one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. I love that he says quietness because I think there are moments in your life, there were moments in my life where debt collectors were calling me I was like, "Wait a minute! Like this is not quiet at all. This sucks, right?" I'm in my my uh, you know l- later twenties, and uh, and I'm like, "I I don't want these people calling me all the time. I, I want to pay this stuff off." And so, uh, better is one handful with quietness, a quiet life, than two with handfuls of hard work and chasing the wind. Better is a cheap car that runs than an expensive one that you pay twelve years for. Better is a house that you can afford than a house that you fight every day about because you're living paycheck to paycheck. It is better to own a few nice things than to own a bunch of junk that owns you. Seneca says being poor is not having too little, it's wanting more. And if you're looking at me, you're thinking like, well, you're kind of crazy, Corey, because I think, I believe that more money would make me happier. You're wrong. The happiest people in this world, I believe, are the poorest people. And if you don't believe me, you haven't been to a developing third world country. And you haven't sat with a kid. You haven't sat with a kid who's taken a bunch of socks and, and clothes and, and with the roll of duct tape that he found, rolled it all up and made a soccer ball. <laughs> and, uh, and in the middle of the muddy street from the monsoon season, He and his friends are going to play all day long with that sock soccer ball. And then he's going to go, in an hour, he's going to go use the toilet in a hole in the ground. And uh, he has no AC and it's 105 degrees. And um, he thinks he's going to get a handful of rice that day and that's enough. And um, at the end of the day, uh, when he looks next to his bed, and the only thing he has is, is this little stick figure that's his G.I. Joe that's made out of sticks. That's enough for him. We believe that more is more and more is better, but the richest people on this earth are not those who own the most, but it's those who need the least. Less is more. Church, for us to live... In the kingdom of God, we need to clear out, cut back, and pay off so that we can prioritize the kingdom of God and living in experiences with the souls around us in order to bring the story of Jesus to those people. Let me finish with this question. Are you accumulating on earth what you cannot keep? Or are you investing into heaven that which you cannot lose? Father, I thank you so much that you have taught us we don't have to chase after the wind. We don't need to enter the rat race to get above the black line. God, if we are if we are uh, given everything that we need and you promise you'll do that for us. God, the only thing that we have to do is break the chain of never enough. So God, I pray that you would help us. Help us first mentally to break the chain of being in debt keeping up with the Joneses, being in debt to our neighbors and our family and our friends. God, I pray that you would teach us the powerful word of no. Um, No, we're not gonna go on a third vacation this year um, with the friends across the street because to be honest with you, we just can't afford it. And um, God, I pray that we would live in our means. I pray that you would give us humility to do that. And um, God, I pray that you would give us At the end of this journey, I pray that we would have quietness, that we would have peace of mind. Um, Now living on uh, the other side of financial security, I I want everybody to experience that. I want everybody to experience the quietness that comes with financial security and the blessing to bless others. God, I pray that that would become contagious in our culture and uh, not getting the newest, freshest, whatever hot off the press thing that our culture is trying to sell to us. So Father, teach us to live like you, teach us to live generously, the same generosity that fueled your son to come and give his life on the cross. And um, God, I pray that uh, first and foremost, this uh, this church, I pray that we would take care of one another and that we would help each other out. Um, and that's what you call us to do. And so God, I pray that you would You would uh, lead us to one another in a way that we can help and serve and love and lift each other up uh, financially. And it's all these things that we ask and we pray for in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy.